Welcome to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will talk about some games that we played over the last couple weeks or so. We will talk about some games that we're looking forward to. We will do a spotlight on the Taverns of Tiefenthal and our top three favorite older games of 2010 or before. This is episode 11. We are recording at Demolition Games, located at 3300 South and 85 West, Salt Lake City, Utah. If you're in the area, we highly suggest you come down for some amazing deals. And we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Crystal. I'm Justine. I'm Matt. So, a few weeks ago, you guys attended a used board game sale. This was at the uh, Utah Utah Valley Fairgrounds? Yeah. The, yeah, this Utah Fairgrounds, not the Valley. Not Utah Valley, right. just Utah Fairgrounds. Yeah. They literally hired one of the buildings, and there were just tables in there and people selling games. Okay. I mean, I've been to the, the fairgrounds quite often, but yeah. I wondered how big it was. It was just one of the buildings? like just where... one of the buildings. I don't know, like, square footage or something. It's on the south side. I don't know if you know those buildings. Kind of uh-huh. like a yeah. small... It's where, of, like, they... It's almost like a gym, actually, kind of a space. Yeah, yeah, it's like a gym. Or something. When the fair happens, like they, like, have some... Or something. They have cows in there? Uh, no. Maybe, like, paintings. <laughs> oh. Crabs. Oh. Okay. I know the building. Is there an upstairs, too? Not that I saw. Okay, no, I don't know the building. Anyway, <laughs> not important. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a basketball court, maybe size. Maybe more than a basketball court, actually. Slightly more uh, space. Okay. It's just very simple. Like, just that's the building. So mm-hmm. I'm a really bad judge of space when it's like packed full. So it yeah. felt really small to me. But Was it very crowded? Yeah, it was gym. way crowded. Yes. Yeah. Is there People a lot like of tables? People swinging around bags full of games. Yeah. Uh-huh. They tried to fit in like four columns when like three would have been like comfortable. But it was fun. There were yeah. kind of like two lines in the middle and everything on the outside. Uh, four lines in the middle, actually, I think is what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Like four lines. <clears throat> Uh, they actually, I was tracking, they they sold out all the tables, I think. They had like two left or something, and the person on the Facebook group like announced that they had them, and then they disappeared. So they, I think every single table got taken by someone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But, but I came in just thinking it'd be old copies of Splendor and Settlers and maybe like two good games <laughs> that were already bought. So we came in an hour after it left, and uh-huh. boy was I wrong. We ended up buying like 14 games. Did you I really buy felt like yeah. 14 games? Black Friday. 12. No, we ended they, up with 12. That, that's still they did impressive amount of 14 yeah. games. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is getting yeah. out of hand. One guy had really good deals. Like I was walking around and there's like roads and boats for like 100 and like other splatter games for 100. 100 is actually not that bad for a splatter for a game. Exactly, yeah. but it's hard to get people to play them. We there's didn't a lot buy of people playing like, for instance, Three Kung... Three Kingdoms Redux, which is a game I want, and it uh-huh. retails for forty, and he was selling it for like thirty-seven. You know, so it's like not good deals. But one guy was making tons of good deals. He's selling his games for like ten and twenty. We got the second one of Hoshpiel Connect from that guy. Shout out to that guy. That's how uh, you do it. Like the expansion. If you're not the, playing your games no, anymore. Make sure people get them. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't like seven, for I have it too. Okay. The Pick'em Deliver version. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. The second in the series. That's uh, good. Actually, yeah, there is an expansion for Hasbro Connect, though, as there well. There is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, there is also the second game yeah. in the series. So yeah. I, 
and the third that we'll never see. No, 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 no. I just meant the rare. Okay. Yeah, the third one is like never going to get printed again, right? The designer and Capstone had a falling out because the the Capstone like pushed it to a a further date than they talked about, and he couldn't get a hold of him. There's a whole like thread about like Mm. the designer like talking about it. And it, it seems like it, it's not in not any time in the future, and maybe never with Capstone, which yeah. uh, sucks if you have the first two just because it like looks nice on yeah. the shelf mm-hmm. together. But I mean, you you could probably track down a German copy of it mm-hmm. somewhere because it did get published in in, uh, in Europe. So I don't know, pricing might be high though. Uh, did you buy any games from there? I did buy a few games. Yeah. Um... I don't know if you if you want to talk about games bought really do, do we or I don't know. Um, is there any like yeah, that you... anything interesting? Uh, one thing that's kind of cool about that sale is sometimes you can get like kind of out of print older games. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a game that I was kind of not actually expecting to see that there at all called Confusion. Uh, something something in the Cold War. Uh, it's kind of like a blocks game, like almost like Stratego. But oh yeah, it's actually like. You can't see your own pieces; only the other person can see your pieces, oh, and you have to ask them if a piece can move somewhere and actually like mark it on a sheet into deduction and figure out what piece you actually have. A deduction war you. game. Uh, it's actually an abstract game, really. It's an abstract game. It's like chess, kind of. There's also promotion; like if you make it like to the end of their board, to the end of your well, to the furthest row from you, uh-huh. you promote piece, certain pieces. But anyway, it's a very kind of interesting twist because yeah, you don't know what your pieces can do, and you're trying to find out what your pieces can do. So it's like kind of very <laughs> unique that way. We actually already played it once. Uh, it was pretty fail game for me actually but a very interesting very interesting concept kind of twists everything on its head uh the, the that game had the rado effect kind of like uh what is that other game um i can't remember what the other game was but uh he put it on a top 10 list um a few years ago now something like top two player list or something and all the copies just like whoop, disappeared <laughs> and now it's selling for like 200 or at least people are trying to sell it for 200 i should say which is what happens sometimes with out of print games and i found it for like a reasonable price and i was like eh, i'll just buy it among some other things which we um will play hopefully so, nice. yeah. yeah. Was there anybody playing games there at all? No. no, no. It wouldn't be possible. Yeah, so the space. The space was not, there's just not enough space because, like, every table People would probably pick up the components and say, how much for this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> also, um, was there any newer games there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where Matt and I got Taverns of Tiefenthal and Watergate. Oh, okay. Nice. From a new game store who bought a booth and sold games. Yeah, that was pretty cheap. Oh, no way, really? That. Yes. Yeah, that was bad. But the Taverns of Teeth and Thaw. And was it at MSRP? Were they selling at MSRP? Pretty much, yeah. I don't know. What's MSRP for Taverns? I don't know. We got it for like 42 Mm-hmm. So I think it is. Um, Might be. That, no, that sounds, it's a little bit lower. Better than that. Yeah, that, yeah. I think it's like fifty, maybe. Okay, if they're getting yeah. deals, that's yeah, good. or forty-five. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so Christo shared some strategy with me about it. I was talking to a guy, and he walks up and whispers, "He's like, look at him. He doesn't care. Ask for five dollars off." <laughs> and I did, and it worked. <laughs> uh, that was so thanks another, for that veteran input. Christo. That was another question I was going to have: is uh, yeah, do you barter? Or is there set prices? Yeah, but I, I guess you, can, off, it, you yeah. can barter. It depends. I have a hard time bartering just because of my personality. Mm-hmm. But so 
um, yeah, I mean, you can. It just depends on the person. And yeah, you bring cash. The person's selling it for thirty. You say, "I have twenty bucks right now, cash. Mm-hmm. That's all I have." Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I did actually for my games, but I mean, that's what I do every time. And, mm-hmm. uh, one of them actually was like, literally, he was selling it for the Amazon price, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I can just like buy it from Amazon for the exact same price." Yeah. So he gave it to me for like a little bit off, but yeah, yeah. it's a little bit self-regulating as the day goes on. Prices drop, yeah, and drop and drop. Oh, yeah, and yeah. People want to go home, right? And, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they don't want to haul those games back out to their yeah, car. Yeah, they start getting nervous that they're not gonna get rid of some of their games. Yeah, that's the thing is I was uh, doing that at like two o'clock. If you show up like right to the beginning of the day, people are probably going to be a lot less reluctant to like right. give you discounts and stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like as the day goes on, people are just kind of like, I want to go home. I want to just get rid of... A lot of people just want to get rid of their games. There's like two mm-hmm. people. Uh, obviously, one of them is the math dream person where they mm-hmm. just kind of just, I don't... I want to come out of the sale with nothing. So they'll give you like discounts and there's like a board game store which they weren't just, giving discounts they don't give yeah. discounts <laughs> so there's kind of like two sides of I guess all kinds of sides but just yeah different approaches can you trade can you bring games and trade did you see uh, any of that happen? most people weren't interested in trading like actually mm-hmm. people there's a Facebook group and people would list like what they're about to sell and a lot of people are saying like no trades and stuff yeah, and I think yeah. people generally want to sell that's the point right <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> you walk up to them with a copy of Dead of Winter <laughs> they're just like get out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, it was a really kind of like just fun time. There's a lot of like I don't know, just people that are interested mm-hmm. in games walking around, and it kind of has like the saltcon used games room kind of vibe where mm-hmm. gotcha. you kind of just like chill out and talk about games and stuff with maybe people and walk around and look at games and see stuff that you're interested in. For sure, it's, it's um, I didn't go if you can't tell, uh, mm-hmm. but I think I might go next year. That that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this happens once a year, so if you're in the area, you should check it out if it's happening. All right, so next we will talk about some games that we've played. Um, so like I said, at the board game cell, we managed to pick up a copy of Watergate, which came out this year, if I'm not it mistaken. Did. Mm-hmm. It did. very recently, so, like a month ago. Yeah, Watergate is... Uh, two-player game and it's uh by matthias kramer it's basically kind of twilight struggle ish but a lot more pared down and simple the main meat of the game is that you're trying to if you're the journalist you're trying to pin evidence on the board to connect nixon to the people that participated in the watergate scandal and if you're nixon you're trying to block that evidence um it's very card heavy, very card driven, but it's a ton of fun. Matt and I've played it a bunch of times. It's a really good morning coffee game. Um, As yeah. the Nixon player, you feel evil. As the Washington <laughs> Post player, you feel like superstars. Yeah. Um, like when Woodward and Bernstein come into your hand at the same time, it kind of feels like maybe you feel in your Spider-Man game when like you get Iron Man and Hulk at the same time or something. <laughs> My Spider-Man. I, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Deep throat feels like deep throat. Oh, yeah. It's great. Um, I wonder if there's a lot of strategical depth or if we are going to solve it. Hmm. I've started just culling all my weak cards out of my deck early, and then so at the end I just have powerful cards. Maybe that ruins the game. Maybe it will get deeper from there. I don't know. We'll have to play it some more. 
that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, if it's an overpowered strategy, like in chess, is it an overpowered strategy to, you know, develop your pieces and control the center? No, that's just the strategy. Maybe it's like that. I don't know. We'll see. It's thematic as heck, too. Is it deck building? Actually, no. No, it's one deck, like Twilight Struggle or whatever. So Washington Post has 15 cards. Nixon has 15 cards. Same cards every game. Draw five at the turn. Okay. I've really wanted to play this game, actually. I wanted to try it. I heard it's like... Um, like Twilight Struggle condensed mm -hmm. and yeah, then there's a, a game like that just that. came out called Blitzkrieg that is like Watergate condensed <laughs> <laughs> so, wow yeah yeah it's it's fun I really enjoy it mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot of fails this week so I'll be sharing them with you <laughs> Uh, I thought I'd be cool, and I was on online on Yukata, and I realized that you can play a random game, and I was like, I'm up for the challenge, I'm so smart, what if I just read a rule book and beat these suckers at it? So I click random game, and now you're talking to somebody who's in a game of Pax Porithiana, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, it's just the ugliest cards, I'm just clicking through until the game says you've made a legal move, and my turn. So if you're one of my three opponents, I'm sorry, the game wasn't for me, I messed up. My apologies. I can't believe how ugly it is, though, compared to, like, Pax Pamir is so pretty. But anyway, gameplay, it seems really trolly, but I can't even figure it out. And, oh, I can't even get through the rulebook, so... My is bad. this one of the older Pax? Yeah. Does it yeah. commit you to that game when you click random game? Yeah, like, you're, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well done. Well done. So if you walk away from it, your opponents are going to be even more upset. Cause yeah, like, I don't know I don't know what's worse. I, they probably preferred me to just quit on turn one, but it's too late now. I don't know how much I'm wrecking it. I'm just yeah. buying the cheapest card in the river every time and passing. So. Jeez. <laughs> Those poor people. <laughs> oh. um, Talk about board game etiquette. <laughs> So I've uh, been playing Undaunted Normandy, which is a two-player asymmetric deck-building World War II game. It's kind of a mouthful. It's my favorite type of deck-building game because it has a board. Um, deck-building games that are just straight-up cards is... is uh, uh, I grow tired of them pretty quickly. But the, the board consists of... It, it's a modular board, and they're just square tiles, and the tiles actually mean, like, kind of absolutely nothing as far as the terrain goes. It's just art. But they do have, like, shield points. So it's like like some tiles are going to be add more defense to your guys. And there's some tokens that get added to the board, too, that might make those spots um, better. But you're just playing cards and moving your troops around. You do roll dice. You do chuck dice for, for battles. Um, and you roll a d10, which is crazy because you can... You can hit anybody on the board at any time that you want. You you just have to roll a d10, and their their defense gets plus defense for how far away they are from you. So you can roll and fail. However, if you roll the 10, you automatically will win no matter what. So I guess it's kind of thematic where like you're far away and you're just blasting, taking pot shots. Yeah, you're just blasting randomly, and the ten means that you like actually made a hit mm -hmm. on accident, basically. Um, it's scenario based, and the objectives in it are going to change depending on the scenario and who you're playing. If you're playing the allies, allies or axes, it actually just calls it U.S. and Germany in this game. 
Um, so I did like I like that aspect of it a lot. It's not a campaign game, you know, because whatever you do in scenario one doesn't carry over from scenario two. So you kind of play the scenarios however you want. There's 12 scenarios in the game, so replayability is pretty high because because it's asymmetric. It's technically you could play the game 24 times, right? You just switch sides. Have you played Normandy yet? Uh, the whole thing is Normandy? Oh, the whole thing is. It's not like that. Okay. Yeah. They are coming out with another one called Undaunted North Africa. So I imagine maybe a trilogy. But I, I enjoy it. It's pretty simple. Like, it's really easy to explain. There is um, some, like, basic strategy as far as, like, basic war game strategy goes, like flanking and knowing when to move and not. The deck building strategy um, is rather interesting because if you... The, the way you get killed is your, your token doesn't come off the board, but your token will represent troops of a certain type, and there's like an ABC of that type, and those cards are representing your hand. So if they make a successful hit, you take first from your hand, which can make your hand worse, right? Then your discard pile, then your deck. So they're coming out, and then if you don't have any in all three of those things, then you remove the token to add it later if you get those cards in your hand. But they're removed from the game, so if you've bought... It, oh, you have your own personal supply, too, of cards, which I really like in deck building games, too, because it's not this race to get cards. You kind of build your deck um, at your own leisure. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've bought in all the cards from your supply and they kill all your guys and your token comes off, that that whole troop is eliminated. So there is some decisions of when should I build up my deck and when shouldn't I. The only like um, negative thing I have to say about the game is a very... Uh, uh, it's a nitpick... But I don't like when card games, like, instead of saying, like, draw a card, it's, like, command. Instead of replay a card you played, it's inspire. To immerse you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I'm going to bolster yeah. for one, and then I'm going to command, and then inspire. <laughs> yeah. um, not a big deal, because there's not a lot of these words. But the first couple games, you're going to be checking the rule book. And, like, it's not going to take me out of the game if it says draw a card, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. But I do like Undaunted Normandy. I'm kind of excited to play through it. And uh, we'll see if I, like, want to switch sides after that. Twelve games is kind of a lot for yeah. a simple game as it is. But, yeah, simple and kind of neat, kind of fun. A little different from deck building games, a little different from war games. Yeah, I feel like that thing where it's terminology for the sake of terminology is trying to like force steam on top of the game. The theme, yeah. in my opinion, should come from like the feel of what you're doing. So if what you're doing doesn't feel like you're inspiring, then they might as well call it like draw cards or something. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, this week actually I played a game by Baldrick and Friends. Sounds very whimsical. That's and actually Friends? The, yeah, Baldrick and <laughs> Friends. Baldrick and Friends. That is the name of the designer. Of he didn't want to credit on, his on, five friends. On on <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was funny, actually, and I looked at it, and it's some guy, a German guy, he's like Maximilian, I think is his actual name, but his designer thing is Baldrick and Friends. So anyway, um, they, I picked up Magnastorm, actually, by them, which is a game oh. I've wanted to play for a while. But then they've only published like two games, one of which is Magnastorm, and which was like recently, like two years ago maybe. And the other one is Power Struggle, which was like seven years before that. So there's mm -hmm. really, it's kind of like really weird. I don't know if he's done any other games. But Power Struggle is kind of a game about the theme is like you're kind of evil managers and you're trying to exploit the corporation for your own personal gain. And it's kind of like corporate kind of humor, I guess. 
Um, the whole game is like departments. There's different departments with department heads, and then there's a boardroom, and then there's a chairman, and you're kind of trying to climb the corporate ladder. And actually, the funniest thing is like once you climb the corporate ladder, you get kicked out. So like the chairman just like gets kicked out every round and gets replaced by the person underneath and so forth. So it's almost like a pyramid <clears throat> kind of climbing towards being chairman. Uh, the game has kind of like hidden... Uh, hidden uh adversary or whatever i want to say hidden almost like a hidden you you're against someone but you don't know who you're against it's it's hidden and you're trying to compete on these kind of tracks for different things they're like corporate things like organizing departments and like being a consultant it sounds pretty dry actually but it's um it's an interesting game it's an area control game actually the closest thing is that the closest feeling game probably to that is Tammany Hole, yeah, I would say, because um, what you get awarded by controlling a department is an individual role in the game. And actually, Tammany Hole's roles were kind of okay, like you can just like mess with the board a little bit, but this game has like even stronger roles. Like, for example, one of the roles is... Uh, you would get to determine how long how long the round is, like between like four and seven actions or whatever. So only you know how long the round is. So like stuff like that. It's very kind of fascinating because people have, and it feels like you're like you have like different like roles in the game. Like you're, mm-hmm. you, yeah, they feel like they should. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Justine has something to say. Um, so I was gonna say that with the roles, also like it's very it's American capitalism the board game because you can like bribe these roles away from other people and huh. once you have bribed them away they're more powerful really yeah they get more power yeah, really is there game. like a <clears throat> is there like an a and then a b yeah yeah for you flip like, the card over and it has a more powerful effect yeah basically. it's really fun but it's uh it's very interesting um i think the game has like some depth so the, the, our game was kind of like a learning game it's kind of messy a little bit and the rules were kind of messy as well unfortunately and i don't know if everyone was playing correctly like we had some questions which were kind of weird towards the end of the game i was wondering like were we doing everything correctly um, it sh- shouldn't be that long. I feel like it's not really a gateway game, and um, we, yeah. Um, it, I, I had fun with it. I hope to play it again. Actually, I brought it today, but we'll see if it gets played. Maybe not. Um, a very fascinating kind of game that kind of doesn't feel like really anything else, hardly. Um, kind of very a control in a pyramid structure, not really on a board in like a kind of bottom-up pyramid um, idea. And since every single game is trolly and screw your neighbory, um, you don't get your feelings hurt and it actually just kind of works. Yeah. Actually, I feel like it doesn't feel as mean as Tammany Hall for some reason. Like, you kind of still feel like, even if you're behind, like, it's not that bad. In Tammany Hall, like, it just feels kind of really bad. If you're behind, like, it's almost like desperately depressing like it's you're just kind of eliminated in a way i don't know yeah you're actually not eliminated in this. i really like tammany hall yeah, yeah yeah and it's, uh it's this game. sounds this sounds cool i would definitely mm-hmm. try it anyway that's um power struggle, yeah. power struggle. Mm-hmm. yep cool uh i guess i wasn't planning on talking about it but haristo talking about power struggle reminded me about ponzi scheme we got a chance to play that game again. It's an older game. It is awesome, and it is probably the most thematic game, because in Ponzi scheme, you're taking you're taking money 
that you get now, but you have to pay more money back in a certain number of turns. And you really do start to feel like Bernie Madoff and like the walls are just collapsing in on you because you just have to owe more and more money more and more often. It's a really fun game. And it's like set collection too. And you, if you want to build up the certain sets, after three, you have to buy them from other people yeah. and you pay them and they either have to like take the money or match the money, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. I really like that game too. I think only a Euro gamer would call it thematic. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but, I understand, but I understand. It's thematic in like the feeling it gives you. Yeah, yeah, you really do sure. start to feel like a Ponzi schemer and like the walls are closing in and you just need to hold out just long enough for someone else to get caught before no, no, you. I get you. I would call it thematic too, but I'm also a Eurogamer. I think if like a dungeon crawl type player oh, yeah, came into definitely. it and played it and we were like, it's really thematic, they'd be like, <laughs> you've got like nothing this, but bad. This hexagon <laughs> and you've got this, yeah, they wouldn't that's get a, it. That's a great game. The, 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 I really like the way that you have to guess how much money the other person has that like is very interesting in that game. You don't want to give them too much because they'll just take the money. You don't want to give them too little because they'll match the money and take your stuff. So like mm-hmm. finding the right price at the right time in the game mm-hmm. is very interesting. I feel like I threw the game to you. I thought you were so broke. So I offered you like four dollars for a thing. You're like, well I have four dollars, Matt. And like you just had me the envelope yeah. back. Yeah. I actually had like the most epic game ever last time I had like uh, an industry of like six or something. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. yeah six long yeah you won 25 to four to four to four to four <laughs> yeah. the, the game is also always threatening to end itself right because yeah. if somebody can't pay for something it ends yep. and you're looking around the table and you're like i have no idea how they're gonna pay that yeah so you always feel there's always that tension like the game's gonna end any minute i gotta do what i gotta do so i really like that too i feel like it even if it goes on long it doesn't feel that way because mm-hmm. you're just always on the brink of like like ending the game yeah. or the game being ended or Going um, broke. Yeah. And, and didn't you upgrade a component? Didn't you buy a nice <laughs> special pin to go around yeah, as like the, first player I, marker? I, I, yeah. Uh, the game comes reason. with a flat cardboard golden pen. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, that was pretty annoying. I just, I found like a really cheap Chinese pen and I was like, yeah, I'll just buy one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all about upgrading stuff like that. It, yeah. I, I think it's like just fun. Yeah. It's a fun uh, game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of upgrading stuff, I have a quick one. I played the copy of Scythe here at Demo. And it comes with all the upgraded scythe parts, like the really wooden bits and the metal coins. And it makes the game a full, like, 25% better. Not wooden bits, realistic resources. Or realistic yeah. wooden bits, which I guess are made out of clay. So, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. too <laughs> <laughs> made out uh, of clay. I mentioned it just to make a prediction that one year from now, nobody will be playing Tapestry. All the Stegmeier people are going to go back to scythe. Scythe is actually pretty fun, and I think it'll pull in more different people at the game store, not just Stegmeier fanboys. Because I think we're going to be done with Tapestry, and I think they are too. So I'm predicting that in a year from now, Scythe will retroactively kill Tapestry. Hmm. Yeah, I like, so I like Scythe better, personally. Like mm-hmm. um, I've said it before, Like I feel like in our gaming group, Scythe, Scythe doesn't get enough love. Uh, maybe because we're all hipsters, I don't know. But this was the first time I played in a long time, and I was like, "Oh, this is fun." Why yeah, do we like, let this sit on the shelf so long. I like sides; yeah. it's fine. Um, and especially with uh, the uh, module expansion, uh, which is that was my first time with that. Rise I of thought Fenris. those were fun. Rise of Fenris, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, playing the campaign was pretty cool, and then you uh, you add in modules however you feel fit in it. Oh, I was just talking about the airships. I haven't even tried the campaign, but that seems interesting now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess I kind of have a theme for my games played because I played another asymmetric 
two-player game. Uh, this one, not deck building, just a card game. It's called Unmatched. Um, Unmatched was a, a game... This is by um, Restoration Games. So it was an older game. It was a Star Wars game. I think Star Wars Epic Battles or something. It was like a, a card-driven um, tactical like game. Um, this one they rethemed and and streamlined some of the the rules. Um, you can buy like a four player box and get like Sinbad, Alice in Wonderland, Medusa, and King Arthur. But they also sell like two packs where you could play like two players or you know add and mix and whatever. It's supposed to be like these epic battles from like books, movies, and real life. Um, I kind of just like the concept of that. I was a little weary about the gameplay because it seemed pretty simple. But I went ahead and bought, since it was so cheap, uh, Robin Hood vs. Bigfoot. Also, I'm kind of a sucker <laughs> for Bigfoot. <laughs> um, and I played it, and it's like it's really simple. Really simple. Um, all you do on your turn is you either move, which you draw a card from your deck, and move. You move up to the speed, which is on your card. Um, asymmetric powers, asymmetric movement, asymmetric deck. The art is awesome in it. I really like the art. Um, and uh, it's done by Mondo, the art. So Mondo releases like soundtrack records and they're really big on the, like the, the cover of the, the like record mm -hmm. being like really cool cover of the, the movie. Anyway, they do the art for it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, if you're not moving, you're playing a card. You're either playing an action card or you're fighting, which is you're playing a card face down, and then the other player places a card face down. You flip them up. Uh, the person taking the damage will take the difference of the damage, but um, there's special abilities on the, the fight and defense cards as well. And it's just sort of fun and simple and kind of stupid, but it's like so quick that I had a good time with it. You, If you run out of your deck... You look at your deck thematically as like your like energy level. Mm. So if you run out, you're kind of doomed because if you have to draw a card and you can't draw a card, you take two damage mm. every time. And you have to take actions, you can't pass. So basically, you're thinking about that too, not using too many cards, not drawing up as much as possible and playing. Um, the, the ranged attack is interesting because, well, the, the melee attack is just adjacency and the board is just circles and they have terrain types on them that only matter for range. But with melee, the circles are connected by just lines and it's just adjacency. If a line connects to another circle, then you can melee attack. Ranged, you uh, are attacking. The line of sight is very simple. It's just like your terrain matches your opponent's terrain and some terrains have multiple terrain types in it for that reason so um nothing that you're going to like dive deep strategy wise mm -hmm. in just kind of a fun stupid play what about diving deep lore wise dare i ask why is robin hood fighting bigfoot <laughs> yeah i don't think there's rhyme or reason for any of that they have a they have they actually have a two-player one that's like the raptors versus the scientists so that actually is thematic mm -hmm. called raptor uh it's called unmatched oh, it's not okay. raptor no it's yeah, unmatched raptor like jurassic park or something they also have uh bruce lee just by himself you can just buy bruce lee to throw in the game um <laughs> And their, their decks are supposed to, like, match their fighting style. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also coming out with uh, Cobble and Fog, which is, like, Sherlock Holmes, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and Dracula, which is very cool. appealing to me. Yeah. 
So you can match Velociraptors to Bruce Lee. Okay. You know, like it's, it's those, not going to make yeah. sense. It sounds like show mashups, like Smash Up. That's yeah. kind of like, yeah. like Pirates versus Ninjas yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't like, like Smash Up. Yeah, yeah. But Smash Up is, I really don't like Smash but Up. I but I wouldn't say. It just say... sounds like thematically like yeah. silly, weird like interactions between the right. unusual characters. I wouldn't say that this game is above Smash Up, though. I wouldn't say that. I would just say like the ease of play and the mm-hmm. time. Uh, that is played in, like I think we played it for 20 minutes. Mm. Yeah, I know the four player game might be more, and it's team versus team if you're playing a four player game. So um, it's just like stupid fun that like I kind of like, and I'm not going to buy into too much, but that Dracula is very tempting. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, Unmatched Robin Hood versus Bigfoot. Nice. Uh, are we going to keep going? Game played? Yeah? Okay. I played Aqua Romana this. Um week. Aqua Romana is a game I've wanted to play for a while. Uh, kind of hard to out of print. Uh, we've been having a old games week, mm-hmm. actually, so it was part of that old games week. I think it's like 2006 or something. It's actually kind of like Turo, uh, the game where you lay tiles to move a stone, which I actually looked it up. I was wondering if it's like older or newer. Turo actually came out in like the seventies or something what? in some some oh, shape. Crazy. I mean, not not Turo Turo, but like the concept of the game of putting tiles down to on like squiggly lines and move uh-huh. something around came out in the seventies, I think. So the concept has been around for a long time, but basically it's kind of the same thing. You're putting tiles down, and these build uh, thematically you're building like aqueducts uh, in Rome or something, but. I mean, it's a tile laying game where you put the tile down and you're extending a line from your starting position, basically, uh, which is an aqueduct. You start from like the water and you build an aqueduct out of it and you have these builders. The cool thing about it is unlike Turo, which is kind of like top decking, if I remember, where you have a hand of cards or tiles or something you can choose from. Uh, everything is on the board. There's these like builders which walk around clockwise on the outside of the board. Then the ones you can see, which is in a cross pattern, like a plus pattern, like vertically and horizontally, is the tiles you can put down. So you can actually plan moves. If you look around at what's happening, you can actually plan ahead. And there's some like blocking in the game. Um, and there's like timing for scoring. Um, if you score, you block the number you scored. Um, so somebody might actually get a lower number just because people scored earlier, other people scored earlier. So it's kind of like really cool kind of thinky twist on uh, Turo without it being too long or too thinky. It's still like a really kind of family easy game. Um, Maybe you don't build this elaborate, cool-looking board as Turo, because Turo has like more squiggly lines and stuff. But it's a pretty cool game, I think. I thought the scoring was really interesting too, because you you score a thing and then you put your meeple on the scoring. Yeah. And if somebody else scores the same, mm-hmm. they have to go lower. I yeah. thought that was like yep. there's a yeah. there's a timing element of yeah, like yeah. kind of rushing to different scores. I thought that was really cool. This yep. game like pleasantly surprised me. Like, you set it up and started explaining it, and, like, I don't care for those types of games that much. They're fine, but I didn't 
think I was going to like it as much as I did. I actually think I really liked it. Um, there's another game that's that's uh, in that kind of line. I'm sure there's several, but that Canizia put out with in, Indigo. I think. Indigo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Indigo. No, yeah. Indigo is a cool game. I have Indigo as well. I can bring it. Indigo uh-huh. is a very similar game. Uh, again, though, top decking. And actually, yeah. in that game, you're only supposed to have one tile in your hand, which is kind of hilarious. Right. Uh, you can play a variant where you can have like two or three, if I remember correctly. So you can have a choice. But you're trying to get gems into your sector and yep. uh, I've played it I think that um, that Aqua Romano Aqua Romana yeah. Romana yeah. I think so far for me this is the best of its type yeah like it feels yeah like there's Perfect information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're the type who likes perfect information, yeah. the game has perfect information. And if you play two player, actually, it can be like a really probably like blocky, weird abstract. Yeah, yeah. and you, you combo is, things. Like I, I, yeah. I had turns where I like felt really good, and then somebody can make a move and, and kind of block you, you on yeah. accident, yeah. and you're just like, oh, yeah. I had something so cool coming up, but. Um, I don't mind that in games because you just go back to the drawing board and start yeah. figuring out a new yep. strategy. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's cool. It, the comp it reminded me most of was Blockus. If you liked Blockus, you'll like this game. I too was pleasantly surprised. I liked Aqua. I really liked Aqua Romana. Blockus. Blockus is Rumus, but two D. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. call Rumus actually Blockus three D. Yeah, that's like an alternative name for oh, it. Oh, so I never like, played. Blockus or Blocus or Blockus, um, uh, but I always thought it was a area enclosure game. But I guess I'm wrong. It's like area connection expansion yeah. game. I oh don't well, know. doesn't matter. Yeah. Are we keeping going? Okay. Uh, in our quest for old games, Matt and I and Hrista actually played Luna, which is an older Steffenfeld. I can't remember. It came out before 2010, right? Mm-hmm. Sure did. Um, I quite liked it um partially because of the theme it's you know you're on the island of avalon and worshiping the moon and yada yada you know it's a very space monkey theme um and i i don't know it was just a fun game so you're you've got these these novices that are your workers that are walking around and they go on different islands and do different things for you and um, you're kind of trying to compete to be the best um, faction of the moon worshiping religion. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know how much. I don't know how much more you want to say about it. Uh, I've never played it, I, yeah. I, but I, I would I would play any Steffenfeld game to be honest. And, and if you have that mentality, then this is exactly what you're talking about. It feels so generic, Steffenfeld. I'd be very <laughs> surprised if I like put a blindfold on you, spin you around, put you in a van, dropped you off, put it on the table, had you play it if you couldn't guess the designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's a very Steffenfeld game. I don't know. I'd say like Forum Trajanum actually is the quintessential Steffenfeld feeling game. Forum Trajanum Forum felt Trajanum. very, very. The they thing is, they're all quintessential yeah, Steffenfeld. <laughs> well, but this has this has the circle, uh-huh. and you're moving around the circle, mm-hmm. and you're putting tiles on the thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a very quintessential. Even the ones that don't look like a Steffenfeld game, you start playing, you go, "Oh, this is a Steffenfeld game." What's the mm-hmm. what's the aquatic one? Aquasphere. 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 Yeah. Like, yeah, like looking at that, I'm like, "Oh, it might be different." And I was like, "No, no, no, this is a Steffenfeld game." <laughs> yep. Yeah. With all the circles. Yeah. To me, Luna kills Lagranha. You know the mechanism to central board in LeGrand oh, Hall yeah. when there's like that little area control and booting each other off. Luna did that before LeGrand Hall and did it better, I'm realizing. I think so too. It's, yeah. 
I really like the way that the tiles, so you put your novice on a tile um, with a number on it, and then you put that where it belongs on the board, and then you can right. boot each other Kicks off. everyone else off. So we it's... thought for sure Risto was going to start whining about the candle, but I guess I'll do it for him. So <laughs> this game puts a moderator on the combos you can do, because if you're out of things to do, you flip over one of the four candles, and then when all four candles are gone, the turn ends. I don't care how many more combos you had to do. It's over for everybody. And so we kind of blitzed Risto out of finishing some cool moves, and he said it was uh, like training wheels. I thought about it, though, and then it's necessary because otherwise you can go endlessly the way game, the game is designed. There is a mechan mechanism to just endlessly take moves. Which Risto is famous for, so I guess yeah, the game yeah. like, <laughs> is designed Actually, with no, 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 exactly. No, I, that's the thing I really didn't like about the game is like the game is kind of has combos. You can find like do this action so you can do this action, move these people to do this action, like cool stuff like that. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then, like, they just, like, blew the candle. And I was like, okay, cool. I lost, like, a lot of points. Because I didn't finish my actions. Yay. Then that happened, like, two rounds in a row, one of which was the last round, which is usually my favorite in games when you can't, like, finish your game and you don't get the points in the last round. And the the thing is, it's it's a fine game, I guess, if you don't mind that. The central mechanism is actually the, the one, one thing that I don't like, the kicking out style of the pals like it's kind of meh to me but it's fine it's an okay game i guess if you don't mind the candle thing <laughs> <laughs> okay we also played turn and taxis this week um it was the last of the five games that meeple league chose to be its world championship in its champ world championship of games along with brass through the ages agricola and castles of burgundy so i thought it was going to have you know a really good reputation or it has a really good reputation and i thought i should try it and I would say I agree. Uh, it kills other route-building games like Ticket to Ride and stuff, obviously. So I think it is a classic. I think it belongs with those other games. Um, you guys played this a couple times, right? Right. With itself, with its expansion, and with its third expansion, which feels like a whole other game. Um, but you can go pretty far with its central like conceit or whatever like you play a route and you either get to focus fire one of the regions on the route or put one house down in every route and then you're just simply racing to certain checkpoints you know like fill up this region get one of every color and stuff like that it's simple there's kind of a lot of top decky stuff you know so it's, it shows its age and its top deckiness mm -hmm. but it, it was fun yeah it's I interesting like it. I, it's built around the system of uh, kind of like area control where you want to be in a lot of different areas or area mm -hmm. presence, I guess, mm -hmm. or in one area completely. Uh, it kind of reminded me actually of um, a game called Web of Power, which I haven't played, but I have played like China. The Web of Power was remade as China, which was remade as Han, which was remade as Iwari or something, which I saw on Kickstarter last year. So it's like kind of this fascinating system of kind of route building and connection, and you want to be in a lot of different colored areas or fully in one area. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like almost like set collection scoring, actually. Like set set of difference and set of the same kind of same concept but on a board very cool it's kind of a mashup between that and ticket to ride i think but it kind of i really like it actually as mm -hmm. a family game it's like a really good family game 
really good. And I kept my disqualification streak alive. Last week I got disqualified on Lorenzo. This game, this week I missed a major rule and beat everybody by like triple their score and was like, what's wrong with you idiots? And then they explained it to me and I was disqualified. It was unfixable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It looks like a more serious game than I guess it is. Mm Because I've only, I only like watched you guys play it kind of like like look back and saw it but it's probably just the age of the game but yeah like, mm-hmm. it looked like a more in-depth like serious game but i guess yeah, it's all, all their games look serious I they guess. do yeah. <laughs> i think they do yeah, yeah. <laughs> big just not bright boards with serious dudes all over like this game has serious dudes on top of serious dudes like there's a postmaster general and he is stern yeah that's <laughs> true he just lets you pick up two cards. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Well, that is our games played. Next up, we'll talk about some games that we're looking forward to. All right. So now we have kind of a new segment that we'll do here and there, or maybe every time. Uh, but it's games that we're looking forward to. So games that we maybe is on our buy list or maybe that we uh, own and haven't played yet. Or maybe something that we just want to try. Um, the first game I'm looking forward to is called Formosa Tea by a newish designer. I hadn't heard of anything else that he did. Um, and it kind of is built of some of my favorite mechanisms from a few other games. So it kind of has a Zool type resource gathering where there's three different kinds of tea, black, green, and oolong. And you know, you take all of one type from a tile and then the rest, you know, stay. Uh, there's kind of like a witch's stones thing of not wanting to set up the board. There's like a common board and you don't want to leave good opportunities for the people that follow you. And um, you age your tea, you know, you dry it out kind of like in Lignum or like in Viticulture. Mm -hmm. But where that's just linear, you know, it just every turn it advances one. So really you're just like stalling for four turns if you want it to be maximum dry. They kind of turn it into like a prodigal's club mini game, you know, where, you know, the game with the icons where you're moving yeah. T around. You can either dry it, dry it north, south, east or west, you know, to get different combos and abilities. Oh, cool. And then, you know, at the very end of the game or at the very end of the round, we kind of compete for who, you know, contributes the best tea to the festival, kind of like in Vinyos, you know. So like you have world renowned Oolong if you've dried it so long and, you know, maybe forego some of the boosts to get it really dry and cool. Um, so that game looks right up my alley. I love the tea theme. Uh, the other game I'm looking forward to is called Promenade. Um, it looks like maybe a deck builder built for me. There's not a lot of text on the cards. The theme isn't, you know, like goblins and stuff. It's, I think we're like art thieves or art dealers. I don't know. But the cards are just simply a color and a value. And it has the photosynthesis thing where the most powerful cards, you need to spend them to score points, you know. So you have to forego using your most powerful cards for the rest of the game when you're ready to score. So that's probably a game all about inflection points. And there's a supply and demand wheel. So those are my games. Um, so I've bought a couple of games that are on my shelf right now that I'm looking forward to playing. One is War of the Worlds, The New Wave. It is um, also like Undaunted. It's a two-player asymmetric deck-building game. There's no scenarios in this. Uh, there's a big map, and you're just... You know, if you're the humans, you're trying to uh, eliminate the aliens. If you're the aliens, you're trying to eliminate the humans. Um, I haven't read the rules yet for it, but it looks cool. The art looks cool. I didn't get the Kickstarter version. It's just the 
the retail version, which is cardboard standees, which I think I, I like more nowadays because I don't have the obligation to paint them and they're not just these gray things moving around. They're actually like art. But it's kind of funny because the box <clears throat> is intended for the Kickstarter version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of space in it. And uh, <laughs> you hold the box and shake it and you just hear these little pieces moving around. That's so that's kind of funny. But uh, I'm, uh, the price was like like pretty cheap. And that's why I'm grateful for the standees, too. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is that I just recently bought yesterday, actually. It was Freshwater Fly. Um, our friend Jonathan was on the show, and he was talking about this game. So, like, it sounded interesting when he was talking about it. And I looked at an overview, and I thought that it looked pretty cool. Um, the theme is fly fishing. I don't fish in real life. I don't know if I've ever fished. I've <laughs> definitely never fly fished. <laughs> and, I could, and I could care less about the theme as far as that goes, but I'm also drawn to the theme because I don't have a fishing game. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about board games, one of the great things is that you could do things you wouldn't normally do. Um, uh, what I'm gathering from this is that it's really thematic, uh, maybe a detriment to the actual gameplay, but it looks like it has some cool things. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to try it. The designer came out with a game before it called Coldwater Crown, which is like a set collection worker placement, I think, fishing game. Uh, so if I love this game, I might go back and, and try that one out as well. I'm also looking forward to some new packs for Marvel Champions, as um, Matt dubs as my Spider-Man game. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, we've been playing this once a week. I've been playing it with a couple of guys, and it's been like a lot of fun for us. We just like played... Ultron, and he was as hard as you would think. Um, so the the new packs is uh, Ms. Marvel, which is a character pack. Comes with a pack that you can you can mix some of the cards with other characters if you want. If you're into the deck building aspect of it, which I'm really not, but you could just play with her straight out of the out of the, the box. And a new villain, which is good because we just we just played the the last villain in the game. But you can go back and play different difficulty levels. Um, so we'll probably do that. But Green Goblin is coming out, and that's that's exciting for us that's uh yeah that's my list all right i am looking forward to a game called pandoria uh the game actually supposedly has been out since 2018 which is kind of weird because i don't think i've seen it it has this kind of super epically looking awesome art cover uh on the box and when you open the box it's like really kind of dull inside (laughs) um it's actually a game which I like unique games, and actually I feel like this doesn't happen too much uh, recently. It's kind of like not really a, a, an area enclosure game, but it's a game where it's tiling, but unlike Carcassonne or just other games where you want to be on an inside of, on the inside of an area, uh, you want to be on the outside of an area when it gets kind of enclosed. And you, you get stuff based on, I think, the area that gets enclosed. Everyone that's on the outside of that area gets stuff. Everyone that is inside gets removed, actually. So you're doing tiling and you're trying to be like on the outside of areas that get enclosed. That's kind of the, the, what I got from the game. Um, there are some card powers as well. I think you get resources and there's kind of a little bit of tableau building and like engine building and like resource conversion maybe a little bit. I actually can't remember how you score points in the game. I've really researched the games that I'm interested in that much. I just kind of look at really interesting kind of mechanisms, unique things that I, I like. Unless I'm really about to buy it then it's like a Kickstarter or something. So what's interesting to me in that game mostly is... Um, 
I'm very like Ishtar was another one. I feel like games which are like area enclosure and have to do with like building up areas don't really come out uh, very frequently lately. It's all about kind of like mashups of like worker placement, deck building, resource conversion, board stuff. So I'm every time a game comes out that is kind of um, has to do with like areas, building areas and closing areas. I'm kind of interested and that seems like one of them. So Pandoria. One downside is it looks like there's already like three expansions for it, which I kind of don't care for. So maybe they're going in the way of like 5,000 expansions for the freaking game. But I, actually there's only two, I think. But still, like I'm I'm not sure if... If there's two like already. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's going to be like... <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe it was 2018 in Germany. That's what I'm thinking. And maybe it's like the English really because I don't think I've seen this game previously or maybe I just missed it but I just noticed it around like the sales that were going around Black Friday and I was like wow this looks really cool and I almost bought it but so I'll wait a little bit longer maybe I'll try it somewhere uh, actually yeah I realized we're actually going through all of our games so the second game I'm looking forward to is Legacies uh, it's a game by first-time designer. Unfortunately, I didn't write down his name. It was presented at Stonemaier Game Day 2018 and 19, and it scored really highly. Um, it's kind of like an epic uh, multi-use card game. Game. <laughs> People are comparing it to like an Akron or Tricarian or like a Lacerda game where it's like kind of this sprawling game which just kind of is very interconnected and there's like a waterfall of actions. I think the theme is very interesting actually. You are playing as a family I think or a guy or something and you're building up your legacy by um, living several lives or whatever and you're trying to find a descendant for your previous person who lived and like you pass on traits to them or something. If I remember, I don't know, you build relationships with people actually. And based on those relationships, you can do things like buy things cheaper, like collaborate on things. The board looks really beautiful. Actually, the whole board is dual layer, which is crazy. Like the actual game board, uh, very kind of like really lush production. Um, Kickstarter, obviously. I did not do the Kickstarter because they didn't have exclusives. Actually, they had like a crazy thing where it's like the brass turnaround and it's like a dark side board, but it's a separate playmat. So you have to buy a playmat if you want to play the dark version of the <laughs> game and stuff. And it has a really interesting mechanic as well where you, when you start your life, which is like the game goes over like 300 years, six rounds or something, you live like six lives. When you start your life, which is your round, you can play like over the table or under the table uh, over the table is kind of like you have a power which is kind of beneficial for you under the table is kind of like almost like a take that power kind of a little <laughs> bit or it's just like more aggressive power so you can like live your life as a cool upstanding person or like kind of a more like aggressive person or something does that affect your next life do you know no, i don't think so i don't know actually the whole game is interconnected the cards have like five uses on them it just looks like a really cool fancy interesting game sounds, sounds like it's awesome. five and a half hours long <laughs> it, it is kind of long yeah people are saying like your first game is probably going to be like three hours or like three and a half hours or something like that so yeah it i mean it's it's not five hours but it is three hours <laughs> Um, and 
another game I'm looking forward to is Terramara. I've been looking at this for yeah. quite a while, actually. It has all the Italian people. Yep. Brandon's excited about mm-hmm. it. It's got, like, five Italian designers on it, two of which have worked on, like, Lorenzo yeah. and mm-hmm. Grand Austria Hotel and all that stuff. The hook in that game, actually, kind of the theme looks really dull here in the 1500s, and you play as a tribe leader in Italy or something, and you're trading, and, like, who cares? Um, the interesting thing in the game is uh, you it's a worker placement game where, like, actions open up as time goes on. So, like, you kind of get better and better actions. And you can actually jump ahead to the better actions, but your worker is stuck there for multiple rounds. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, like, sacrifice kind of workers for taking an action which is in the future, so to speak. Like, just a better action in the future. It has, like, a thousand resource conversion cards. It's probably going to be a crazy, like, resource conversion game, tableau building, engine building game. Lots of, like, weird stuff. The previous actions also get improved so they're not dead. So, like, it's kind of like a wave of actions, and you can jump ahead. That's kind of interesting. But, yeah, just because of the designers and the way the game looks, I'm kind of interested in Terramara. I've been looking at it since Spiel. I'm very interested. And you say the theme is not, I mean... It just didn't excite me. I've never like been it's... a tribe leader in Italy before. I've only been a tourist in Italy. So. <laughs> I mean, a theme that excites me would be like you're not a tribe leader. You're like a sci-fi leader, or like some kind of a, like it's twenty three hundred, and you're trading across. And it's not that creative. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. that creative. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not something like we've never seen before. But I mean, those Italian designers, like they like. Um, Period games, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, fine. because of that, I don't care about the theme. Like, right. if, if you told me the theme of Grand Austria Hotel or Lorenzo, I'd be like, who cares about freaking, like, Lorenzo, like, climbing up on towers? Like, is the dumbest yeah. idea yeah. ever. But I mean, the game is really good. It's like Renaissance era. Yeah. Although yeah. the hotel thing is kind of cool. So I have yeah. crossed yeah, that. I agree. I have crossed cool. that whatever theme it is, they're going to actually make a good game out of it by the mechanics and yeah, by the, or hope, I guess. <laughs> Trust yeah. slash hope. Anyway, that's the games I have. Um, I'm ex- uh, hoping to play. Um, I am excited for the new Terra Mystica expansion, uh, Merchants of the Sea, right? Right. Uh, so Terra Mystica is kind of Matt and my like game. It's one of the first ones that we played. Um it's Matt's favorite game, I think, number one, right? Yeah, and it's not even close. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, number two is not even close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it surprises me because he hates themes like witches and goblins and all of that stuff. So do I. But yeah, Terra but... Mystica is, like, his favorite game. So I get to play with my witches and my arns and my giants, and he gets oh, to play There's with... engineers in that game. <laughs> They're just nerds. <laughs> They're also gnomes. There's also explanations of like their special abilities because of their like race, uh-huh. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Thematic flair. No, fun. actually, that's very valid for me as well. The theme of that game looks something I would really not like, but it works really well. Yeah, it's really yeah. weird, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this too because I feel like it's going to bring Terra Mystica back to the table more often. Yeah. Or at least I hope it does. I don't know why we don't play that game a lot. Like, you should be pressing it, right? I bring Lorenzo, like, every few weeks. What's your excuse? <laughs> People like to play Gaia Project a little bit better. It's a little bit better for noobs. There is a meta for Terra Mystica... To where that, like, you're not going to be competitive with people who have, like, memorized certain things, you know? There's less to memorize with Gaia Project. And this new expansion of Terra Mystica is going to open it back up. 
because all the natural expansions and first three turns that you have memorized are going to be super disrupted because you can send boats down rivers and start expansions oh, yeah. in like way new places that yeah. no one ever has. Which had means done. I might actually win once in a while. It doesn't <laughs> add new races, does it? No. no. We got that in the like in fire, the fire and ice. ice yeah. yeah. Which was a great expansion. And I haven't played with any essential of those Essential expansion. And I think Ooh, essential. the thing about the Terra Mystic expansions is it's like, how many years was it between Terra Mystic and Fire and Ice? Three. And then between Fire and Ice and now is the same amount of time. It seems like it seems like they spend time on those expansions. Yeah. Changing it to four yeah. years and four years. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm excited for the the Merchants of the Sea expansion. Because, yeah, it will, I think it will bring Terra Mystica back to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it will disrupt a lot of the, like, opening moves that mm-hmm. Matt's memorized. A lot of the meta that's been out there. And just real quick, what comes in the box? Two extra maps, um, oh, stronghold cool. abilities that you draft, and then this whole new concept of boats and shipping, and then bonus cards that go with boats and shipping. Is it just like better shipping or something? Like all no, these on shipping? Little, for shipping? little wooden ships that you actually drive around down the rivers. <laughs> and then you park them in other people's structures to get power and then they get a perk so there's trading. Or you can disembark and make a house along the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're stuck. So it's not like one time mm-hmm. shipping. You can actually kind of go far along That's like fun. multiple rounds maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't memorized all the opening moves, but I remember going to a board game store and talking to the clerk there, and he was he told me all of them, and <laughs> I didn't write them down or anything. I just kind of stared blankly at him and was like, mm-hmm. hopefully I'll figure that out sometime. Yeah, but. yeah that's <laughs> how it is with Matt and I. I'm like... Right. Uh, I was going to say, I've played Terramisky a few times, and generally I have fun. Every time I've played with Matt has been a disaster for me, so <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, if you start in the wrong place, it's like GG, so or just <laughs> so this hopefully disrupts blocked. that. Yeah, uh, It's much harder to get blocked in Guy Project, that's the thing. Terramisky is very blocky, if mm-hmm. you, the other person knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's hard, harder to escape. Terramisky, uh, Guy Project has those green cubes, and they let you go pretty much anywhere. Yeah, like, you're not yeah. Gonna get yeah. Peace out, mm-hmm. and you just go somewhere else. And Terramisky is kind of like, no peace out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. All right, that's it. All right, so that was some games we were looking forward to. Next up is our spotlight on Taverns of Teeth and Gold. All right, so <clears throat> Taverns of Teeth and Thal is a new game by Wolfgang Vorsch, who has designed games such as uh, Gonshan Clever, The Mind, Fuji, Illusion, Illusion, and Quacks of Quellingberg, and a couple other subtexts. Wavelength. Wavelength, which is coming out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is his uh, newest to retail as of right now. It's uh, your... So... Uh, Tiefenthal is a city in Germany known for its dimly lit taverns, and you play as an owner of one of these taverns. The taverns are um, your own tableau, which is sort of this puzzle-type thing you put together, and you could flip and upgrade them. It's a deck-building game. It's a deck-building game where when you buy customers, well, lure customers in with beer, or pay for like uh, tables or staff, they go on top of your deck. And when you're flipping the cards, uh, 
we I think we heard or somebody told us that it was like a press your luck game. It's not because you just pull from your top deck until mm-hmm. your tavern gets full. Hopefully some staff members have come out in the meantime to help you out with certain things. And then you draft dice. You draft four dice. If you have waitresses, they add colored dice that you keep and don't draft. You draft them around, left, and then you are going to allocate your dice to certain areas that are going to generate money and beer, which is the, like, the income of the game. And, And it has some module expansions that we'll get to, but that's pretty much the base game. Um, when you flip over, you oh, you also pay money to flip over these things that are gonna have a little bit better actions for you, uh, but they're gonna give you nobles, which are customers that sit at the same table, so they don't take up spots, but their ability's pretty weak. It's just two for two, you get two money out of them. But they're 10 points, so like it's a big thing. And points at the end of the game are just all on cards. Winning score is like 140, so like 10 points is a big chunk of that. And maybe, you know, 60 to 80 of it is going to come from nobles. Nobles yeah. seem to be kind of the primary point yeah. scoring mechanism. You should say it depends on the modules. Actually, you want 40, as I feel, with all the modules. All the modules, yeah, definitely. It's, it's like, scoring it's like nine, in the one. 90s, I think, just base game. And then yeah. like 140 with the modules, because with the modules you're going to get more, more nobles. nobles. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the base game by itself is not that great. Yeah, we're always going to play the, with all the, the, the yeah, base game right is only module one. Yeah, yeah. So what are the modules? Module one is the base game. Just straight up the base game. Module two adds schnapps, which is another currency, but it also adds entertainers in which they're going to. They're gonna like feed off of schnapps, which is kind of funny. No, they I come guess in. You're just feeding them. Schnapps. You're feeding them schnapps, and one of them gives you three beers. No, it's the. Like, oh, <laughs> Walks into a bar. Like, no, 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 it's, it's thematic. <laughs> they're entertaining the customers, so more more customers want to come in. You know? Oh, they're and not maybe, giving you beer. And maybe the woman like goes out like pickpocketing, and she gives you two money because she stole it from someone. You know yeah. what I mean? Or she does other things. You want her in your bar. (laughs) (laughs) So that's module two, adds schnapps and entertainers. Module three is um, a reputation track. It's just like you flip over on your modular board, your bartender, and now there's a reputation track that spins around. You like just see how much beer or money you're generating, or I mean both, and then you get the lesser of to, to spin around and get these sort of bonuses. Four is just starting stuff you there's seven cards you shuffle them you deal three and everybody picks one uh everybody can pick the same one and then five is a signature book signatures are going to come out and they go in different spots and it's like rows and columns you're filling up and uh getting um more nobles and more bonuses so that that's the modules um and you're supposed to like add them in. Like if you add in three, you have to add in two. If you add in five, you have to add in all of them. I don't know if that's true for the four. The rule book says you have to add them all in, but four is just starting stuff. Cards and cubes uh, is telling you you have to add them no, all no, in. No, no. Immediately and always play with all five modules. The icons on some of the cards that. probably required that some module is in to make mm-hmm. sense, like schnapps, for example. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a starting, you schnapps, you have a starting you schnapps, you're not going to be able to choose it <laughs> if you don't play with their schnapps. I feel like with the modules, like, yeah, I, I do agree with Matt. Mm-hmm. Just throw them all in. You're not yeah. experiencing the full game. Also, like, I 
feel like they put in the modules so you could like the first one you get to know the the core system yeah. of the game and then it's introducing you like how to play with these I mean, if you're new to gaming, do it that way. If you're a seasoned gamer, just throw it all in. Yeah. Or I think if you're playing with your family, do maybe the first and second. If you're playing with, you know, yeah. people who play yeah. a lot. Yeah, you could you could gauge with the, the players you're playing with. Taverns of Teethenthal also seems to have taken a giant number two on Christo's dinner plate. <laughs> uh, well... I remember when I was playing Monopoly, and I rolled a very unlikely number, which like ended my game. That's happened like several times. I don't know. I have really bad luck with dice, and for some reason, Taverns gives me that exact same feeling of just kind of like powerlessness and like you got wrecked because you didn't roll the right thing, didn't roll the right thing, whatever. You know what I mean? So, uh. I feel like it's actually kind of like the designer as well. Like all of his games kind of end up there. And usually it's on the last round because, yes, they're very well designed. And Taverns actually does have this kind of like flow because the way it is, it's kind of like a TikTok because if you have a bad round, you got rid of some customers, right, or something. So the system of the game is then you're very likely to have a good round next round. And even there's these witches that, like, reshuffle your game. However, the game is like an exponential game, and the last round has to be a good round. Otherwise, you lose out on a lot of points. So you're kind of like, all of his games are kind of building up to this, like, master performance, which may or may not happen because of often luck or may happen like not in the way that you were planning on doing so that's 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 my biggest issue with the game is kind of just too much luck for me um that's why i don't like it so much you're not the only one who sees the monopoly comparison do you remember what trevor said when we played with him last night, he says, I, I, think, I feel like I'm stuck in jail with Monopoly, in Monopoly, and I'm not rolling doubles to get out. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's really fair. I, it's, it, yeah, I think he was halfway joking. I'm not sure if he was, I hope he wasn't serious, because it's not that bad. It's not rolling doubles to get out of jail. Now, Brandon, you said it isn't press your luck. I kind of disagree. There are these witches that let you mulligan. So true, you are just running out your deck and seeing what you get. But you have three witches per game to choose to say, oh, no, I got unlucky. I want to redo it. And so you can press your luck there. You know, if you yeah, get kind a of a, a medium there. thing, yeah. I thought that was actually a big part of the game. Also, how ambitiously you build your deck is press your luck. Like, what if you just wanted to ignore tables and hope you get lucky and, hey, this could come out. I'm going to just buy a lot of high point cards. I'm going to buy a lot of beer cards and okay, just hope yeah, yeah. I don't get lucky. I mean, so it's pressure like luck meta. like any deck building game is pressure luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how you're going to build your deck, yeah. But um, it, it feels like a major part of the game. Maybe not as much as in Quacks, but it does feel like a major part of the game to mm-hmm. me. The but you're luck. adding them to the top of your deck so you know what's coming out and you know what order they're coming For out in. For one round, mm-hmm. but when you reshuffle, mm-hmm. they better be <laughs> table, customer, table, customer. Not, not, for, one, not for one round. For e- you, that I mean, you add them... Every you, time to the top of your deck. Yeah, yeah, but you pull them out and then mm-hmm. you reshuffle eventually. Oh, like, you pull them out and then, yeah, you, I there's, mean, a reshuffle there's a reshuffle point. point and also you, you yeah, 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 yeah. It's not yeah. like you're always... No, you use them, you use them, then they go into your, yeah. to your discard pile, yeah. But you're constraining yourself. If you have set up a bunch of good cards on the top of your deck, you know that like, oh, three good cards are coming out. Well, now you can't mulligan that turn. 
and so you've kind of lowered your flexibility. Yeah, I never yeah. use the mulligan. I always I use it to just always, push on yeah, the monastery track. Exactly. I always use the mulligan. Yeah. Okay. No, no, yeah, no. It uh, makes sense. <laughs> I, but, uh, <laughs> I used the mulligan yesterday and the game previously, and it, it made a huge combo. difference, uh-huh. actually. A huge difference. Like, my round went from, like, a terrible round to, like, a really awesome round. And mm-hmm. that actually is, like, it's an engine-building game. So, like, if you have a good round, the next round is even better, and then the next round is even better. So you kind of, like, really can't afford the bad round, I think. I think game. with the reputation track, the monastery track, and the signature track, like, there's enough for combos and to kind of metagate what's happening. Like, I felt pretty good about, like, okay, none, none of my staff came out, but I can uh, use certain things to push on this track, to give me this, to use on this track, and then to... I don't know. I felt like it. all the modules balance the game a lot better. There's more decisions, and there's, like, just, like, better things you could do if the dice don't roll your way. So maybe this was one in a million, I don't know the odds, but what provoked Trevor's Monopoly comment was he started, he flipped over three customers, and just that was his round, and And so he mulliganed, flipped over three customers, mulliganed, flipped over three customers, and was like, I feel like I'm in jail in Monopoly. Maybe that's one in a million, time will tell, but I feel like you can get pretty unlucky in that unmet What, he didn't buy any cards the last round? And the cards that he bought was customers? right. So, like, that's his fault, right? Yeah. Like, you hear you, that, Trevor? You, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, don't buy all customers, you know? Which, spread it out. Which actually kind of brings me to a thing, like, is the game one-dimensional? Is there one way to play? You have to buy a temp table every round. No, I don't no. think so. You have to kill customers and buy tables to have a good game. No, I don't, no. Do I, I don't, I think, don't think so. I don't think The either. last game I played... I didn't win, but I came in second place, and my second place was above the other two players by a significant amount. I was focusing on the reputation track getting things and the signature book that was getting me things and like upgrading. And I wasn't getting a lot of tables. And I also wasn't, um, yeah, I, I was. Were you getting beer, money, or neither? I was getting both. And I was buying customers with beer. Like I was buying like threes and fours because threes, like, though, I feel like those dice never get drafted. Like if they're rolled, I'm, I'm always getting threes. So I buy a lot of three guys and. One three is just three money, but if I have three guys out there, three three dice, and that's you know nine bucks. That's pretty significant. Is that going to happen? There's a lot of depth there. Lock, I didn't think about any of that. I you, see the game differently than Free still sees it differently than you. Maybe sees it differently than you. Well, I see it as a deck building game. Like if it if you're going into a deck building game thinking you're going to be able to plan your turns out perfectly every time, then you need to play a different game. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it is a very much a luck not like luck driven you can mitigate the luck you can change things around but it is very much a deck building game and you're going to be putting out cards i think if you are counting on like a specific combination of cards to come out this isn't the game for you yeah i think buying all tables isn't that great you buy all these tables and sure they fill they they help mitigate filling up your bar Mm -hmm. fast but they don't necess- those necessarily don't do anything for you as much as like buying different customers of threes, fours, fives, and sixes. Mm-hmm. And then you have like more dice to choose from rather than like you're looking for a six and it doesn't get rolled. Those customers kill you though. That's why Trevor had a bad time yesterday because he had too many customers and his game was bad. Not if you you have the signature track and you're buying the signatures that you need. You mm-hmm. you pay a, for a, a five signature guy and 
you get a bonus or you get a, a, a noble. But anyway, I see what Justine is saying. I actually thought about it, and basically tables are draw two. That's what they are. Like imagine like a deck building game and draw two. Yeah, it's a draw another table. card basically. That's what yeah, tables. Are. Yeah, draw two. Um, there is more luck than regular deck building, though, which I also feel like it's almost like a step backwards. That's why I, that's something I don't like uh, either. Like it's almost like going backwards from Dominion as far as luck goes. Uh, like. You know, I don't know. Um, it's because in regular deck building, like you build, you draw a hand, and this one you keep drawing. So, like if you get lucky, you get really lucky. That's that's what my feeling about this is almost like a, a board game personality test. We all see it so much differently, yeah. and we all use mm -hmm. different entertainers. You know, like yeah. Um, there's in round five, this entertainer comes out where you only have to pay one schnapps, and you put a card that came out back on top of your deck, so you know that it's going to come out. So you can actually be pretty perfect information-y, save up all your schnapps, and just reload all your good cards every round via that guy if you want. You can you kind can of play it how shots. you want. I mean, not all your cards, but I mean, yeah. like, if your two good beer guys come out, load them back on top for two schnapps every round from round five on. Or your waitress, whatever. Yeah, so you or have your another waitress. guys. Yeah, I yeah. think that's 1x, if I remember correctly. Maybe it's not 1x. Oh, well, it sure no, wasn't 1x for me last night. <laughs> uh, I might have messed up the There's only one of them that's 1x, and I can't remember which it is. Um, uh, so, <clears throat> I've said this before, I don't think you take this game serious. Christo argued that, like, there's, like, there's... There is stuff to think about, so you should take it serious. And I, I agree. The gameplay I take serious. It's the outcome of things that I don't take serious. I know that the game can screw me, and I don't. I'm not playing it like, like I'm playing Terra Mystic, for example. Yeah. I'm playing it with like, I hope stuff works out, and I like the tension of pulling cards. And if my tables get full and it like kind of messes me up that round, it feels bad. But then at the end of the game, I should feel as I did in the beginning of the game because I don't think it's that serious of a game. I really disagree. I think the game shows up and it's like, I demand to be taken seriously. The art looks kind of serious-ish. It's kind of whimsical, but it's also very serious. There's a lot to think about in the game, especially with all the modules. I literally sat for like five minutes on the last turn, like pushing this track to push this track to push this track to optimize to take these two guys or these two guys to make sure I spend the schnapps on this thing so I can push up so I can take this guy. So Which like, ended up being necessary because you won by this hair of your chinny chin chin. Yeah, and it, the, in the end also depended on luck because I take a customer and a four better flip because I need a four to make this call. But that's work. what I'm saying. You take that seriously and you strategize. You don't take the outcome of the game series. Yeah. yeah. But That's I mean, where you don't take it I, I think of like a game with lots of planning, lots of calculation, lots of like make sure that this is perfectly optimized mm -hmm. and don't have more than three waitresses. And with all time. five modules, it's a big time commitment. And with all, my, all five modules, it was two hours. Yeah, I take that seriously and you have to take that seriously. Like uh, to, from my perspective, actually, Quax is like a better game in a way because it's less serious. I don't want a game like taverns to be serious i want it to be just kind of like have fun pull out of a bag whatever um, yeah the thing is i do have fun with it mm -hmm. 
Because I, I like I don't care if I win or lose in this yeah. particular game. And I thought about it, and I actually don't enjoy the process as well. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, oh yeah, the, and if you uh, don't enjoy the process, then a, yeah. A lot yeah. of the push your luck games, I enjoy like the fun push your luck stuff. Uh-huh. Like even pulling out of the bag wasn't that bad. It's kind of like okay, whatever, just luck stuff. But this one, like the process is really painful because I put a lot of effort into planning, and then I can be screwed by like dice rolls, flips, all kinds of horrible like, things happen. Yeah, no, me. I get that. I get that. I think it really does come down to like is it your type of game for Fristo it's no for yeah. maybe me and Jack, Justine yes exactly it's just like kind of your mindset going into it but um but no I, I understand your points they're all valid they yeah. all make sense and I guess I'm kind of glad I'm on the other side because mm-hmm. I think it could be depressing yeah 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 I agree I mean I think it's totally depends on what kind of gamer you are. Um, I do disagree with the, the designer, though, because Illusion doesn't have that going on. Fuji doesn't have that going on. Subjects uh, doesn't have no, that No, no, actually, I was going to talk about that. There are very few games, which I like, which don't have the DNA of Quacks, Bricks to some extent, uh, Gunshot Clever, Gunshot Clever 2, and this game. And they are Fuji, and I'm actually really looking forward to Wavelength. I thought Fuji was a really cool, creative game with like really interesting stuff happening. Uh-huh. It's co-op, though, so that's yeah. why you don't care about the luck there. It has a lot of luck, it does, but it's yeah. co-op, so you're like, whatever, we got screwed, haha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. Fuji is, sounds really interesting because it's like a party game. And I actually oh, Wavelength. Does, you mean, oh, Wavelength. Yeah. Wavelength. Yeah. Wavelength sounds really cool, actually, as far as like a party, um, party game thing. So, yeah, I don't know how much there more there is to say about Taverns of Teeth and Thal, except um, I think it really is going to come down to preference. I think some people are going to think it's a horribly designed game and not very fun at all, and others are going to be kind of uh, neutral on it, and some might love it. I think for me, um, uh, it's one of those games that I, I'm not going to need to play over and over and over mm-hmm. again. I don't think it's that type of game. I think it's a yeah. game that I will keep on my shelf and play like once or twice a year when I'm feeling like I kind of want that theme and kind of have fun and and honestly I think you should play with players that like it I think I think it could kill the game if people don't like it and I don't think you should make anybody play that doesn't like it Mm -hmm, exactly it's it's not interactive enough for it to be fun it's kind of is a low interaction euro like the dice drafting is you just kind of roll your four dice and you're not really thinking about blocking and the dice I'm not drafting and other people's yeah. boards. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually thinking about blocking. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be if, more. If I can't help myself, I will certainly try to screw you. Okay, I see the point there. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a card river, so you could you could buy a card before somebody else does. Mm-hmm. So that that's a little bit of and player you might interaction. Need that value for your book. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can completely see how somebody would not think it's fun. I don't, it's an anomaly maybe why I, I have fun playing it. I like the tension. I like, I don't yeah. care if the game screws me. In this particular game, I don't care. So, yeah, almost hard for me to contextualize why I like it because you guys do make valid points. But I guess they just don't <laughs> bother me. I guess those things just don't bother me, yeah. which is fine. Do you have any more to add, Justine, since you're the only other person on my team in this game? Um, I just, I think, like, I think, like Matt said, it's really about who you are as a board gamer. Like, if you're someone, I really like games that 
can sometimes constrain you. Like there are times where I really want a game where it's not a wide open playing field where I could take literally every action possible. Um, in our when we talk about our top old games, I'm going to talk about this concept of an after work game. And I think this is like the quintessential after work game in that I am tired, I have decision fatigue, I don't want to have a whole wide open board for me to play with. I want to have those constraints. Mm-hmm. So I'll go down a rabbit hole, but I actually think this game is a sandbox. <laughs> I think with all the shots with, with all the all modules, the there's, there's some decisions you can go made, around yeah. to get well, different But things. there's some decisions that you can't necessarily make. You can't... It's not wide open. Right, There's right. only certain choices to be made. You so know? With your dice are definitely not wide For open. me... Yeah. Uh, um, I, I I tend to lean more towards games that have like more perfect information and less luck, but I, I don't mind every once in a while for a game to just like have luck and randomness and not know the outcome of it. You know, to be surprised, whether it be pleasantly surprised or disappointed, like I'm I'm fine with it every once in a while, and that's why for me this game will stay on my shelf but not come out very often. And I wonder how how long until that all goes away for me and I just turn into one of you guys with this game because I think it has the potential. Maybe I'm just not seeing it. I'm not allowing myself to see it yet. Uh, Disregarding all the luck discussions and all that stuff, the game to me, unfortunately, is kind of like a pretty lackluster deck builder. That's kind of how I think of it. It's like Dominion, kind of. Um, There's nothing kind of creative about it, except maybe interactions with different elements. Like, that's the fun, I guess, of Wolfgang Warsh, if you want to have fun with that stuff. Like, push push on this track to push on the other track, to push on the third track, to push on the first track, to get something, to Mm -hmm. push on some fourth track, to combine two things, to do this cool thing. Um, That's kind of whatever. But I actually have some uh, other games which kind of deck building which actually push things forward like eminent domain has action selection on the cards grifters is like you hold your whole deck in your hand which is kind of interesting so it's deck building with your whole deck in your hand arctic scavengers you'll fight with your leftover cards quest for el dorado has three resources so if you think like the money and beer separation is fancy quest for el dorado has three resources which is money movement on land movement on water so um spqf which kind of flew under the radar like the, those games that's one thing also which bothers me about this game is like it's like whoa let's play uh towers of Stephen Tell. like all these games are maybe arguably better and more innovative and actually try to push forward in my opinion um then taverns taverns is kind of like whatever i mean it's it, it is what it is. Yeah. No, I don't think it's the best deck building game that ever come out. I I don't even feel like I'm playing a deck building game when I'm it when is, I'm playing. It is a deck building game. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying it's not. I'm yeah. saying the feeling I get off of it isn't like most deck building games. Mm-hmm. I think just adding to the top of the deck and knowing a little bit of what's going to come out uh, makes it feel a little bit different to me. Also, like I'm concentrating on different things as well as. Uh, the deck of cards because there is different spots on the board that I can upgrade and use dice on. Mm-hmm. You know, And I don't think it's the best dice drafting game either. I just think the combinations of everything together makes it just an okay game to me that I wouldn't mind playing every once in a while. And that's my rating is six. Okay, willing, uh, we'll play if in the mood. 
I guess we're going to be. Yes. So it's probably three bad likely won't play this again. That's it. <laughs> uh, for me, it's seven usually willing to play. Uh, it kind of disappointed me on the tavern theme. I wanted that to be better. That's not how bars work. You don't just like make put a beer on the table and then customers come and then once your <laughs> tavern fills up. Oh, I hope you had all your dishwashers out because that's, you, you know what I mean. Um, but I am excited to try different strats. I'd, I'm kind of medium on it. It's a 7.24, better than Lanterns, worse than Isle of Sky on my BGG list. 7.24, that's that's confusing. Cause I, oh yeah, I'm on a different system than these other guys. Okay, okay, gotcha. He's it, on it's the real down. Because I think I like it better than you, but your rating is higher. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs down, 7.24. That's doing the real BGG ratings. Got it, got it. All right, well, that's our feelings on Taverns of Teeth and Thaw. So next up will be our top three older games. <laughs> All right, our top three older games, which we kind of discussed this and decided that maybe 2010 and before is older game. That's like nine years ago, which I think is pretty old. I think five years ago in the board gaming world could be considered old if you think about it. Sometimes last year's games is like people are like old news. <laughs> yeah. But we decided to like really go like an old feeling game. Uh, so that's 2010 and before. Um, exploring this topic of, or this top three, I found that I'd like old games. Mm-hmm. Like, they have some minor problems that maybe newer games fix, but, yeah, I don't. maybe I'm not a cult of the new as I thought I was. Well, I'm noticing they very often have three major problems. There's player elimination in them, there's way too dang much luck in them, and often their graphic design, they're just very, very ugly. So some of the games that we like avoided those back in the day when everybody else was lucky and ugly and player eliminating. <laughs> True, the games yes, yes, were yeah. picking yeah. Those I was bullets. like looking at my list and I was like, none of the, my games really have that. Yeah. But um, I guess, yeah, this is where those designers like rose to the top in the mm-hmm. board gaming mm-hmm. world because they were not doing the things that were very typical mm-hmm. of the decade, right? Yeah, all my designers are still around. Yeah. Mine are... I guess. <laughs> no, they are, but I just like to see I don't know if those designers more love yeah. brought to these designers mm-hmm. nowadays. And I think um, old games showed their abstract skeletons more. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if they're just as abstract, they just showed it more. It was yeah. more blatant. Yeah, yeah. they weren't trying to hide it and drown mm-hmm. it in theme, right? They just had like a big, bland yellow board of desert, and you just <laughs> the green cube plus red cube equals three victory points just stands out more. When I first got into gaming and realized that I like um, Euro games, I was attracted two games that look dry, boring, and abstract. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I just was. Uh, am I like that nowadays? Not so much because they're kind of like few and far between as far as the new releases go. But um, but yeah, like, I remember looking at the box covers and going like, ooh, that looks plain. You know, mm-hmm. looking yeah. at the back and going like, oh, that looks all beige. Cool. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, and then they would work out like there weren't, they weren't trying to impress anybody as theme and like kind of mm-hmm. art and graphic design goes. They kind of let their games speak for themselves, I feel like, yeah. the older games. Yeah, I don't have a problem with older games, actually. Yeah. I like them the same as current games. I think art has gotten better mm-hmm. nowadays. Like, uh, art used to be 
kind of brown. Actually, we were mm -hmm. joking last week. We brought like what was it, Navigador, Turn Turn and Taxis, and something else. And Princess they were all like Florence. the Prince of Florence. That's a and like they're all brown. Like they're all color. a shade of brown. Like there's yeah. a certain shade of brown that all Euro games are. Yellowish brown, grayish brown, 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 brown. Sort of like you have that, you have like, what was it, 50s pink, 70s or, green. Yeah, red, reddish brown, I yeah, guess I should say. 2010s, like, reddish brown. There's a very yeah. distinct feeling that like between 2000 and 2010, a lot of games were just kind of like that color. And, and they're almost but, a flag. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas nowadays, like some of the good Euro games can be like blended into some games I don't like. Yeah. And actually there are some things like, like I was saying previously, like area enclosure, which just don't happen anymore so much. So it's almost like a nice throwback to see, like, for no certain mechanics that we yeah, don't see anymore. Certain mechanics, mm -hmm. which for some reason they're just not popular anymore or whatever, which I still like, actually. Uh -huh. They're not like bad. It's just for some reason, I don't know, maybe they don't sell as much. That's probably the reason why they don't get published as much. But um, I have no problems with older games or like older games. So I just basically went by dates. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. how I made my list. Oh, your list is by date? No, no, no I mean, like, I didn't really think of anything other than dates like to me is just dates, gotcha gotcha you know? gotcha gotcha yeah yeah I, I didn't put my list in any weird order they're all just like from like favorite my, my number one yeah. is my favorite out of these my number three is my yeah, least exactly. favorite out of the three but I like all of them a lot yeah uh, my first game, actually, oddly enough, is an overlap with someone else. So we'll just I'll talk about it when they talk about it. Okay, so my number three is what I was talking about when I said like an after work game. My number three is Kingsburg. So in Kingsburg, you have three dice. Uh, sometimes you might have more. You roll the dice, you put them on the board, assigning them to different members of the court to get stuff, to build buildings, to make points. It's not very thematic. It's super dry. If I remember right, turn order changes based on just going in a clockwise direction. Um, but it's one of those games that you don't have a lot of... Like, there are choices to be made. There are decisions to make. But you're not given the whole wide open board every single turn. So you have, like, maybe five or six choices instead of 20. Uh, that game's very dice rolly. Yes. Also, it got a reprint two years ago with, like, way colorful graphics and, like, 3D King, Kings. Kings Sports oh, Festival, I think. Oh, did they even call it something different? No, they made an expansion to it, I think. Okay. Uh, anyway, so my number three is Agricola, old fashioned. What is old about it? Maybe not that much. So if the game was designed this year, um, there wouldn't be this giant deck of unbalanced cards. Also, it's a little bit chory with how much wood you have to load every turn and managing the sheet. Um, but it's kind of stood the test of time, and it was way ahead of its time. Uh, this designer is still kicking around. Like, Rosenberg kind of just chopped it down uh, to... Um, when he made Reckold, for example, it's kind of just a chopped down Agricola. He actually just kind of edited it out. Uh, you know, there's only like nine action spaces instead of like 35. I think that's where the excess in Agricola was. I think if it was designed today, there wouldn't be so many spaces. I've never played Agricola. 
I've only played Caverna, which I heard is Agricola 2.0. Yeah, that, yeah, that's another update of Agricola, right? <laughs> what did he do there? Not as much loading. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of deeperness. Uh, my number three, speaking of what Fristo was saying with area enclosure, uh, which we don't see very often anymore, is uh, a game came out in 2002 by Kiesling and Kramer called Mexica. Mexica's part of the Mask Trilogy, and it's actually, unfortunately, the only one I played out of the Mask Trilogy, uh, so maybe I'll like the other ones better, but I don't know yet. Uh, Mexica's area enclosure, but it's also area majority. You're enclosing areas, and you can get points for that, but then you want to move this little meeple around, and you get the meeple in the enclosure, and then you start putting down, like, Mayan temples that have, like, kind of dice pips on the top that says how much their value is. And then you look at the end of the round to see in each area who has majority, and then first player gets uh, points, second player gets less points, and so on. Or no points for if you're dumb enough to go in a place. Uh, anyway, like to Matt's point, this is a very abstract game. Like there is perfect information. It feels very abstracty. My thinking while I'm playing this game is very abstract-esque, and I I really enjoy playing. I have the Super Meeple version, so like all the components are really upgraded and they feel nice. Like stone, right? Yeah, they're like stone resin. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't like add to my enjoyment of the game. It's just kind of this kind of bonus thing that's kind of cool. But uh, the old version would be fine for me too because I, I like the mechanics of the game. Uh, yeah, that's my number three, Mexico. We have the old version. I am ninety-eight percent sure that once you play Takao, you'll be like. This is better. It's not like way better, but I think you'll like Takal better. Oh, okay. We played Takal yesterday, and yeah, I'll bring it this week so you can play it. It feels very similar. I don't know if it's really better. I was actually thinking, is it better really? I think I like both, actually. Yeah. So it's 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 just as good. And the other one in the series? Java. Java, uh, Java renamed now to Cusco. Cusco. Actually, I'm getting that as well, so we can play all three Sweet. maybe and talk about it. Like cool. We should do a Mask Trilogy games played next week or some next time yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, my number two is Race for the Galaxy. Race for the Galaxy is the darling of modern gaming for me because it kind of got me into really modern gaming. I used to play games before and then there was Race for the Galaxy and then there were games after. So um, it's a game where you, it's a simultaneous action selection game. You're trying to do an action which benefits you more than other people because other people follow kind of a slightly lesser version of the action, but it's still a pretty good version of the action, actually. So it's a very interesting game of like minor advances of stuff that you're better at in a way. It has cards, and it's a card game, uh, and you pay four cards with cards. So it kind of has like a, an, an economy element of having cards, it has an economy element of goods, producing goods, production consumption, it has an el element of like warfare in a weird way, but not really like fighting other players, just like another thing that you can um, get resources with really from the game. Um, really awesome game. I've actually played it a lot online, so not so much in real life, but online. Um, I'm always up for playing it. Benefit is online. You can literally play a game in like eight minutes, eight, nine minutes, I think, uh, is what games run usually. Um, 
really punchy, really fast, really awesome game. That's my number two. Race what for came the first, Puerto Rico or Race for Puerto, the Galaxy? Puerto Rico. The Race for Galaxy is 2009. Uh, Same Puerto designer, Rico, though? like 2001. I don't think so. No, I don't I'm very sure. So. No. Ted okay. Beeman is Race yeah. for the Galaxy. Yeah. I don't know Puerto Rico. Seyfeld. Andreas oh, okay, okay. Something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't like them. I don't like any of those things. I don't like the. I don't like the. I don't like the like action selection. You yeah, don't like, like the in the, yeah. the follow stuff. Uh, no, it's it's but weird. Yeah. It's a weird system because I actually didn't like it at first because like everyone gets to do the same thing. How dumb is that? But you get to see that like you should try to time it so people don't get as much benefit. And it's I good in founders of Gloomhaven. Uh, let me note by me saying I don't like it doesn't mean it's a bad game, or doesn't even mean that I think it's a bad game. It's just mm-hmm. not my preference. Okay. I, I I get why people yeah. like it, yeah. and it's, it's Puerto Rico. I'm not so huge on just because it kind of just goes on for a while. Race for the Galaxy is over in like like I say, like very quickly. Real quick, play, po- please play Puerto Rico with all the expansions. Just play <laughs> so Puerto Rico is not. We're going to be talking about Puerto Rico later. So. Oh, so don't step on her number two game. My number two game is Twa. Oh. <laughs> you can use your deduction skills to find Justine's number one game. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so Twa is... It's been mentioned on one of my top lists before for the art, because, again, I love the thematic <laughs> art. <laughs> and I think Brandon hates the art. I think most people hate the art. No, 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 I don't awesome. hate it. It just looks like my 12-year-old nephew did it. And that's no <laughs> knock on my 12-year-old nephew. He's a fine artist. Or your 12th It is a knock nephew. on the game, though. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 it, it's, it's, it's medieval art. No, yeah, it's nobody, medieval, it's flat. Nobody it's knew how to draw back then, I Before guess. they figured out, like, shading. Perspective. <laughs> um... um but it, it's, again, one of those, like, after-work games. It's very... It's dice-heavy, um, but you use those dice to take actions. Um, I, I just like it as a game. Again, it's something I can pull out and play after a hard day of work or on a Saturday after not a hard day of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of a fun, easygoing game, I feel like. I mean, I guess we can say this a lot about all of these old games, but this one's especially evergreen to me. I don't think I'll ever get completely yeah. sick of it. Twelve's a great game. I don't think I'll ever be like, yeah. no, I yeah. want to play Twa. I mean, it's never ever. there's dice placement in it. I mean, yeah. If it's considered a dice placement game, I think it's one of the best dice, dice placement game there yeah. is because low and high dice are fine. And I think one of the big things about it for me and why it made my list is they re-implemented the system with Black Angel, and Twa still kicks Black Angel oh, that's to the curb true. for me. I am not as big a fan of Black Angel as I am of Twa. I think the scoring is kind of cool, the in-game scoring. Like, uh, there's going to be some different scoring opportunities. You see one of them. Mm-hmm. Everyone else sees one of them. You don't yeah. know what's coming out. But if you're like Matt, who's played it a bunch, you kind of know everything that could be possibly... In it, well, yeah, I go and for so you go combos. for you yeah. go for yeah. most things that might be in it, right? Like mm-hmm. as far as in-game scoring goes, I gear my game towards hoping a certain red card comes out at the end, mm-hmm. and yeah. if it doesn't, GG. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fun to try and go for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Twas a great game. Uh, my number two is Twilight Struggle. What's old about this game? Um, <laughs> is that it is a map with chits on it, and so in a way. I don't know. Are they in fifty years? Are they going to be making this exact same type of GMT game? Probably. So it's a little cheaty to put it on this list. I feel like 
if this game was designed today, it would be the exact same because that whole class of games isn't ever going to change. It's kind of for 80-year-olds who want to play, like, war games. Is but it it's chip, my favorite. Is it a chit pull system? I don't know if you're pulling no. chits in the other game, no, but you're chits. putting chits to say how many armies you have. That Got, yeah, yeah. How different much support regions. it's not armies. Yeah, it's I support. mean, but I'm saying in, in the abstract, that's yeah. what it is. But it's card-driven. It's card driven. Car, yeah. Yes, and it's not a living card game, right? You have your exact same deck that you're going to have every single game. And um, what I like about this is for something where you're just drawing cards off the top of your deck, there's very little luck. There's a very high skill cap. And if you don't believe me, go online and try and beat some of these people. You never will. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So there's just a ton of depth to it. And I love the theme. Is it asymmetric? Very asymmetric. Okay. Yeah. I never played it. Mm -hmm. um, is it long? Yeah, yeah. Can be. Well, it can it can be. end in an instant, right? Uh -huh. So if somebody accidentally causes a nuclear war, they lose the game, and that can it's happen not, It's not soon. rounds, right? It, you play it for is. nine rounds, and okay. the nine or, rounds, whoever wins, or if somebody gets it. to 20, or if somebody causes a nuclear war. Okay. Or if the cat jumps on the table and knocks the <laughs> with all the yeah. chips off. That's happened before at our house, too. Yeah, <laughs> really fragile that way. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta play game. this game sometime, because I, I do like war games, but I like light war games. I don't know if it's This feels light. heavy, because you want to play six times before you know your deck. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a high yeah. investment that way. It's not a play once game. It's kind of no. a lot of. It's, but I love it's kind of pretty thick. It's and pretty it, thick. And it came out in a time where people were playing games over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, what year? Do you remember? Six, I think. Right. I thought 1990 something, but I don't know. What? Do you think 2006? No. No way. We can solve. It was number one BGG for like four years. It was. It was. Yeah. Or two. Was it ever one? Yeah, it was one. Okay. I know for sure it was one. Puerto Rico was one for a long time as it, well. Yeah, it displaced Puerto Rico. Oh, it displaced mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm Some math nerds thought for different reasons that it was never going to get displaced, but LOL. It <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bound to happen. 2005. Okay, yeah, you were right. one year off, yeah. whatever. Um, my number two is by Rainer Knizia, Dr. Rainer Knizia. I believe he has his doctorate in mathematics. Yeah. Um, 1992, this game came out. Can you guys guess what it is? Through the Desert? No. Like six named some kind of card game. Auctioning game. Raw. Ra. Medi Medici. Modern art. Modern art. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is, which what is, is the opposite one? Six nymphs is my number two favorite. Just kidding. <laughs> no, six nymphs. I was looking at six nymphs and it was 94 and I was surprised actually because it kind of doesn't feel like 94 but it is 94. But anyway, complete side note. No, I, I just threw that off. Canizia uh, <laughs> has um, the, uh, it, it's, a, it's a trilogy of, of auction games which Christo went through all of them just now. <laughs> yeah, Medici, Raw, and Modern Art. Out of those, Modern Art is my favorite. I like Medici a lot, and I like Raw a lot, actually. But uh, Modern Art is just like this pure, uncut Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Colombian, German. German. We're a family <laughs> show. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a pure auction game. And uh, you're, you're just like laying cards down when you're the auctioneer and the card will tell you what kind of auction there is. There's several different kinds of auctions where you could be yelling out numbers and then the highest person wins when everybody slows down and they're yelling. Uh, there's like closed auctions where you're like, um, you're just like putting money in your hand and showing it at the same time. There's once around, there's you set a price and 
first person could buy or pass, and if it gets to you, um, with everybody passing, then you have to pay the price, which makes that auction very interesting as far as setting the price goes. You get the money if somebody buys the card, but you're also involved in the auction, so you can get the card yourself. So I feel like everybody's turn is everybody's turn, and I really like that in the game. And it, I feel like there is some unique strategy, some unique thinking in it, and it kind of, um, it kind of morphs as the game goes along because of certain... Sc I'm not going to get into the scoring because that sometimes confuses people even if it's in front of them. So I won't try to attempt that, but the scoring is, I think, a little bit unique. And I think there's some really cool thoughts, thought process that goes into playing this game. The rules are very simple, and I think you could play with noobs. I would never suggest playing with new people because it could really break the game because they don't know what they're bidding and overbidding could just, like... Kill give someone the game. To win. Give, give someone the win someone that doesn't win. deserve it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but after you play this game a few times and with a with a, a group of people that know the game, gosh, I, I think it's like it has this 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 way of making you think really hard, but also have fun. I think it's really unique combination of the two. So yeah, I really like modern art a lot. That's my number two. I actually looked at the Ragnar Kitia auction trilogy, and it's kind of an honorable mention, I guess you can say, to my list. I was thinking about, like, if these three games weren't there, maybe it would be those, or Got at it, least yeah. Modern Art mm -hmm. or something uh, on my list. Uh, yeah, Modern Art is really cool. It has the same thing as uh, Ponzi Scheme, where you need to set the right price. And what is the right price? It kind of changes throughout the game, yeah, but you yeah, have exactly. to set the right price. Otherwise, yeah, it kind of can be crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, my number one game is actually Brass. It's a little bit cheaty uh, because what is all about this game, Matt? <laughs> the art actually is what is all about this game. Yeah. Um, I looked at the previous version of Brass, which is quite ugly and like really like almost black and whiteboard, if I remember correctly. It's an Eagle Griffin, I think, or it used to be called uh, something else maybe back in the day. Um, I, I look at the or Griffin because uh, no, it used to actually be called something completely different. Like I, I don't know who who cares. The thing is, I kind of didn't want to play it, even though it was really highly rated because of the art. And when the reprint came out last year, is when I finally played it. So I guess art does matter in Euro games, even because <laughs> I was just so turned off by the crappy art that mm -hmm. I was like. Might be a good game, but I kind of don't feel like playing it. And it's an awesome game. Um, so it's a little bit cheaty because I never played it, like, really in the old times. But it's an old game. Reprint, the design is I still there enjoy. in Lancashire, yeah. right? Lancashire is Lancashire, the it's previous the version. It's just, like, it's the components the and the art is the only thing they updated on it. Yeah, right? yeah. No, the, the rules are the same. Actually, they even have, like an addendum for the weird rules with like the virtual link and stuff which they kind of removed officially in a way but they have it at the end of the rulebook if you want to play with the exact old rules even with the weird stuff so it's the exact same game if you play Lancashire which yeah. is a little bit different from Birmingham and I actually like both but um, yeah it's a really really good game uh, we've talked about it previously so just look up a different episode or something that's my number one brass I guess brass Lancashire nowadays used to be just brass uh -huh. but and if you're playing brass, that brass you're playing Lancashire. an old game 
Yeah. yeah. If you're playing Black Brass Lancashire, you're playing the 2000 and whatever six version with just new art. That's mm -hmm. it. And better it's money. the same game. Yeah. Oh, the better <laughs> better components, components, I guess I should mm -hmm. say, and art. But yeah, same game, exact same game. Um, my number one is Puerto Rico. Hopefully you figured that out. Um, <laughs> I really like Puerto Rico. I really like the follow-on action kind of games. Um, I I think that's a really fun puzzle is trying to figure out which action to take that's going to benefit you but not the other people at the table as much. Um, I think most actions will benefit everybody around the table, but it's like, when is this going to give me that edge I need? Um, yeah, I, we've said a lot about Puerto Rico. People are going to say, I mean, yeah. It's too simple without both expansions, but with both expansions, there's a game of deciding which combos to go for, and the red guys do different things, and there's more depth with both expansions. If you haven't played with both expansions, you're not talking about the same game that we are. Yeah, and I, 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 with, all, with all those, like, follow, same time action kind of games, I think this one was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I will say the art in the old version is pretty minimal. Um, in the newer version, I think the art's a little bit better. I haven't had a chance to get a good look at it because there's no reason for us to buy the new one, but mm -hmm. yeah. The, the art is very old. It, yeah. Indeed. Alright, my number one game was Hristo's number three, and you're probably going to talk more about it. It's really simple. It's Hansa Teutonica. And the game is so simple, like there's just like five different things you can do with a cube five different sectors of the board and special abilities that you do and it's just like fun to play I have like nothing profound to say about it I guess the beauty in the game is that it's simple yeah that's it like <laughs> yeah. cool <laughs> no actually that is actually what's really cool about the game is I was blown away by how much game there is with one board like 15 small roundy tokens and cubes. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. It's cubes. Well, you have player boards. Cubes, player boards, one board, 15 little tokens. It's a really, like, ele elegant game. It's the quintessential Euro as well because it's all about, like, blocking. The whole game is blocking. <laughs> yeah. Like, if all you're doing all the time is blocking and you want to get kicked, actually. It's kind of weird because you get benefits for getting kicked out of your blocking position by you getting repositioned, but with a higher amount of... The theme of the game is like the dumbest thing ever. It's like you're establishing the Hanseatic League and you're building offices and the routes and the network of offices. And like, there's this really boring looking guy on the cover and the game is brown. The game is brown. It has the brown, <laughs> it has the brown. Yeah. This is the quintessential <laughs> one though. Like when we joke about serious dudes on covers, this is the specific dude that comes to my mind. This is the yeah. serious dude on the serious yeah. cover the, at a serious desk. The serious dude with the brownest game with <laughs> the minimal components just cubes so it's like and the like euro mechanics it's like the game like it's it's kind of funny but that's the way i think of it is like maybe the most elegant like the most like the the, the what defines like a euro game or something like a german euro game like really dry really german really blocky really <laughs> zero luck zero zero yeah, luck yeah, yeah zero yeah. well yeah pretty much zero yeah i was gonna say the tokens but they oh, flip and you can see what they that. are 
Mm -hmm. but that's like a super minimal thing and you have to put them where people are not so it's like very well designed as far as like minimal bs everything kind of player controlled very high control the game length is controlled by players actually it's kind of weird and i usually hate those games but this one actually works fine for me because you can see it coming you can see the if someone's trying to like rush the game there's a mechanic where you can end the game early in a way in a weird way uh it's a route building game uh kind of reminiscent of like council of four more most recently but I, in my opinion it's like the best route network building game i guess you say network building game um you get to trigger things you get to improve your actions i don't know just uh, we can talk about it some other time but it's an awesome game i would agree i, I like the like very small um sort of tableau building that you have on your own player board where you're taking mm -hmm. things off and getting more powerful actions. Yep. Um, this would be on my list if I didn't just play it one time. I've only played oh, okay. this game once, but I like really liked it. I was going to ask where it was for you guys. I thought we all four would have it. It so would be. It, I bet enough. it would be. I just haven't played it enough. Is it in... Was it like your five? Or you actually <laughs> not my like fourth. it? Okay. <laughs> Um, my number one is, uh, I'm just realizing this now, it's a Stefan Feld game. I think all these games might be like my favorite designers, maybe just in a different order. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's Notre Dame, which came out in 2007. Uh, Notre Dame is a, is a card drafting game. But what are you doing with the cards? You're putting cubes on a board. <laughs> There's a common theme there. Yeah. And, and it's pretty proud as well. It's pretty proud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and well, what are you doing when you're putting cubes on the space? You have your own burrow, I should say, and nobody can really touch your burrow except for their cart. Um, but you're, you're putting cubes in different spaces, and those spaces get exponentially better depending on how many cubes are in there. For example, there's one that generates gold. You put a cube in there, you get one gold. Then the next time you draft that card, you put a cube in there, you get two gold, and so forth. Uh, another one generates cubes because you only have a limited supply of cubes, so you need more cubes in to be able to do actions. Running out of cubes is really bad. And then there's a Notre Dame spot that has a uh, really... I like the scoring in yeah. Notre Dame. is pretty neat. It's a majority, kind of. But uh, for each round, it's going to specify what that space is going to be worth. Like, let's say it's eight points. You're going to divide that by how many cubes are in there. And let's say I have two cubes and Matt and Justine have one each in there. And Risto didn't get in there. Um, then it's going to be two points per cube. But my both my cubes were two points per cube. So I'm going to get four points from it. Justine and Matt are going to get two points each from it. So it's kind of a big scoring opportunity. But it's a Seffenfeld game, so there's other scorings that happen in it. Kind of a point salad -y kind of thing. And there's a set collection, sort of, not really. I mean, you're going around with your cart. You're going to collect certain little bonuses and things that are going to give you things that are on the board. Uh, but you have to collect three different colors before you can start collecting different colors. There's also, which is very um, popular with older Steffenfeld games, is disasters that can happen. Yeah. And this disaster is Plague of Rats. Um, I sort of call it the, the disaster preparation uh, mechanism in his games. Like in um, Year of the Dragon, I feel like it's all of that. Yeah, I was going to say Year of the Dragon is all disasters. Yeah. And this one is not, not so bad. I mean, you'll lose two points if your rats get over a certain amount. And you have to take off the, the cube of your burrow with the highest amount of cubes. So it could be pretty bad, but um, I feel like he designed these games with 
you don't realize it, but you just should sometimes just take plagues mm-hmm. and just like work around it instead of trying to prevent them all the time, which I was doing in the early gaming, uh, uh, early playing these games. I was like only disaster preparating and then going, oh, I don't have any points. Ditto. Yeah. Uh, so I just feel like there's, there's, in the card drafting, you want every card, basically, mm-hmm. and I really like the decision-making there. I like how simplistic it is, but really cool. Um, um, so there's some depth yeah. there. It's yeah. very cleverly designed, yeah. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of just oozing cleverness out of every single place on the board, yeah. and it's very, very well done. The play reminds me of, like, Waterdeep, like, Skulls, uh, mm-hmm. Champions, like, Blame. Like yeah, it's kind yeah. of a loan. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have the most of this thing, or don't have above a certain amount when the, yeah. the game's certain points in the game, or something. Yeah, it's one of those staples for me that's just always going to be on my shelf, and I don't yeah. feel like it. It like it. it I feel like it. Yeah. It, uh, it aged really well. It's another very elegant game as well. And nineteen nine. No, no, no. Sorry, two thousand seven. <laughs> that was like nineteen ninety two. I'm looking at a different game here. <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, two thousand seven. So. And then two years ago, it got a 10th anniversary edition that looks the exact same, right? They just reprinted it, just fired up the printer. It has again. some they put expansion, some expansion thing, oh, which people. used to be people, yeah, people cards. Yeah, we bought those separately, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I have the 10th anniversary. Yeah. yeah, the people cards at the end, those are important, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. another reason why you need money, is to buy those people at the end. And it you're makes it variable from game to game, yeah. too. Yeah, which, uh, from round to round, there is perfect information, <laughs> except for the cards you're drafting, obviously, yeah. which is yeah. really important, The actually. drafting was cool. I need yeah. to play that game again. It's been a while since I played it. I remember it being pretty cool. Though. Yeah, I, I like, used wow, to bring it around cool. a lot, and then uh, it's just sometimes you got to cool off games, put them on the shelf, let yeah. them cool For down. Ten years, and then <laughs> 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 bring it back. I love it. I yeah. love that game. So that's my number one: Notre Dame or Dom or whatever. Notre Dame. All right. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you've listened this long, maybe you want to give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, or don't. We're not going to tell you what to do. Um, we would ask you uh, maybe check out our social media pages. Uh, Facebook is just Cards and Cubes, and Instagram also just Cards and Cubes. You could email us at cardsandcubespodcast at gmail.com, or you could visit our website, which is also very simple www.cardsandcubes.com um, and there's a contact form there too so you can reach us that way as well um, questions would be welcome might even answer them on the show we would like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing our theme and Kirsten Adams for designing our logo uh, if you want to check out some of her art on Instagram she is catcoffee that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E and we will see you again some Bye. other time. <laughs>